And God good? You know, sometimes we just, I, I love modern worship music. I really do. It's, it's my jam. It's on my Spotify channel, on my car. But sometimes you just need a good hymn from back in the day just to remind you how good God is, how wonderful, how marvelous. And sometimes you just need a good chorus that we've been singing for generations. It feels like a generation now. Just how great is our God. And so we're grateful for that reminder. We've been in the middle of a series called Callings where we have begin, we have begun to really look at the, the functions and the callings that God has given to us out of Ephesians chapter 4. We believe with all our heart that every person that claims to be a Christian, everyone that follows the Lord, everyone has been given a calling. Something that God has wired and, and, and has given you to, to do for his kingdom and for his glory. We've looked at apostles, we've looked at evangelists, we've looked at prophets. Next week, we're going to look at teachers, but today we're going to look at pastors or shepherds. And this one should be fun for me because when, when I take all the tests, it's like all the arrows are like, why are you even taking this test? This is you. But I want to just give you some ground rules. And that is, first of all, think, think function, not vocation today. And be also very careful not to just think of all the pastors that you've ever known because while they may have had titles of pastor, their calling was a little different. They may have been titled a pastor, but their calling was an evangelist. So their title was pastor, but they were called to be a teacher. I mean, just, just get in, embrace the function, not the title. And then the last thing I would share with you is really just let the Word of God speak to you this morning. Because God needs to tell you what a shepherd is, and God needs to be able to share with you, if you are called to be a shepherd and called to be a pastor, what that means for you in your life and your context. And so if we can do that, then we, we can stay together and really just keep it focused on God this morning. Because if you focus on me and you focus on what I do, I'm, I'm a man. I mess up all the time. But God's word never fails, and God's calling is always perfect. And so let's stay there this morning as we entertain this, this calling of pastor, or what we're going to say most of the morning, shepherd. And again, it bases out of Ephesians four eleven through 13, where we've been kind of grounded and we've been focused. And the scripture says this, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints and the work of the ministry for edification of the body until we all reach unity in the faith. I don't know if some of you have ever read a, a book or a couple books by Bob Goff. Anybody ever done that? Read some of his books? I mean, he might be the happiest person God ever put on this planet. Uh, every time he speaks, he always has just a bazillion balloons behind him. Uh, apparently, you know, that was his thing. And, I mean, he's always smiling. He's always happy. And he happens to be just a very powerful writer. And he has a new work that he came out not too long ago called everybody always. And in there, I want to just read you a little excerpt from his book. So follow along with me, if you will. Some of the quotes will be on the screen as I get there, and you can focus on them as they come. But just, just listen to Bob's words just for a moment. It says, whether, or not, uh, whether we want to or not, we end up memorizing what we do repeatedly. It's the way that we are wired from the factory, because this is how we are made. It's a great idea to pick up, uh, pick up the actions worth repeating. People who are turning into love do this. They adopt beautiful patterns surrounding imagery of their lives. They fill their lives with songs and practices and the habits that communicate love, acceptance, grace, generosity, whimsy, and forgiveness. People who are becoming love repeat these actions so often that they don't even realize that they're doing it anymore. It's just finger memory to them. 
They don't need anyone to clap for them. They don't need any validation for, uh, for the things inherently right or true or beautiful. They don't need all the accolades that come with recognition. They also don't feel the need to criticize people who have gotten a couple things wrong. I don't know about you, but uh, I've, gotten a few of, I've gotten to the end of the day more than a few times and realized that my untucked shirt was even unbuttoned at the bottom. I'm usually one button off or sometimes two, but the fact is that there are people that have shaped my faith. They were also a couple buttons off on theirs. They made some big mistakes. Run toward these people, not away. There is a quiet confidence in knowing that we all hit a couple wrong notes here and there, but the report card of our faith is how we treat one another when they do. Bob writes so beautifully in the book, what ends up becoming the heart of a shepherd. And just to go back to those quotes... They fill their lives with songs and practices and habits that communicate love and acceptance and grace and generosity and whimsy and forgiveness. There are people who are becoming loved. They repeat these actions so often they don't even know they're doing it anymore. They don't need anyone to clap for them. They don't need validation. They don't need all the accolades that come with recognition. These are shepherds. These are people that just want God's glory. These are people that just want to make sure that it's safe for you to do the things that God has called you to do. This is the heart of a shepherd, someone that doesn't need all the accolades. Because when you think about the Bible, do you know any shepherd by name other than Jesus? You just know them as shepherd. You know them out in the fields and doing their thing. And that is what is so great because they didn't do it for the fame and glory to become the greatest shepherd of all. They did it because they were called to it. And as we look into the Bible and we see some of the shepherds in the Bible, we see people like David that were called out of the fields. If David wasn't called by God, we would know nothing other than him that he was a brother in the field. But because God set him apart, he said, this is a shepherd I want you to to learn from. And David is one of the greatest persons and character studies in the Bible that we, we could ever have. But there's also one before him that we need to study this morning, and that is Moses. Because Moses was one of the, the, probably the, the, the greatest early shepherds in the Bible because he had so many people that he was trying to lead. But if you know his story, you know it wasn't exactly rainbow and sunshine. You know it wasn't easy for him to just, be, uh, just grab the staff and move on and be a shepherd. It came with a lot of uh, heartache and sometimes trials and, and temptations. But it also didn't start out as he was a shepherd. Because as you get into the book of Exodus is where we're going to be. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 3. But before we get there, Exodus chapter 1 and 2 talk about the early life of Moses. Moses wasn't even supposed to be alive. Because after the time of Joseph, when the, when the Israelite people were welcome guests, all of a sudden they became like hated slaves. And all we needed out of you was to build bricks and build buildings. And then when they started becoming so blessed and God's hand was clearly on them and they were so gifted and they were becoming more popular, they went from several hundred to several million in the span of about 400 years. And the Egyptians were starting to get wigged out going, if we let this go, then these people are going to overtake us. And all that we've built or they've built will then be theirs. So Pharaoh gets in this, every, every bad idea starts as a great idea, right? So he gets this great idea in his head, which is a terrible idea, that we're just going to take out all the babies. We're going to take all the male babies. They are all gone. And we are just going to let the Egyptian, or excuse me, we're just going to let the Israelites only have female babies from here forward. And luckily for us, Moses' mom said, this is not right, and I can't do this. 
And so God gave her the wisdom and the foresight to go ahead and put Moses in a basket and send him down the river, not knowing where he would go and where he would end up, but just sure that whoever picked him out of the water was going to take care of him. Lo and behold, it became Pharaoh's daughter. She was not able to have children. So when this beautiful blessing is drawn out of the water, he's given the name Moses, drawn from water. And he becomes a son of an Egyptian Pharaoh's daughter, and he grows up in the system. He grows up in Egypt, in the palace, knowing all the ins and the outs. Do you think God did that by accident? No, he's getting, he's getting him set up. Like, if you're going to be shepherding, know some backstory. And then for 40 years, he is in the kingdom. He's in the system. And then one night, he walks out. His, his compassion, his empathy for his Hebrew native people becomes really strong, and he doesn't understand why. So he walks out and he sees all of a sudden an Egyptian taskmaster beating a Hebrew. And then he ends, up, he ends up killing him, killing the Egyptian. And so he's like, man, this is great. I'm taking care of my people. I'm rocking it. And then all of a sudden the next day, two Hebrews are fighting. And they turn on Moses because Moses says, why are you fighting? He goes, whoa, whoa, who are you? Who made you ruler? Are you going to kill us like the Egyptian? And so Moses is terrified. Pharaoh gets wind of he killed the Egyptian. Now Moses is out in the desert for 40 years, now being, being a shepherd uh, of, of livestock for the next 40 years. So now we see Moses in Exodus chapter 3, 80 years old. And God is saying, now is time for you to be the shepherd of my people. Now is the time for you to do what you were called to do, to lead my people, to protect my people, to take them to the promised land that I gave to them so long ago. And this is where we pick it up in Exodus chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 1. It says, now Moses, remember he's 80 years old, so if you're you know, a senior citizen, you still could be functioning here in Bible times. Moses was tending the flock in, with, of Jethro, Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There an angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames from a, from a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire, but it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why did the bush not burn up? The Lord saw that Moses has gone over to look, and God called to him from within the bush, saying, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Don't come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place that you are standing is on holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this time, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And God said, I indeed see the misery of my people in Egypt, and I have heard them crying because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them at the hand of the Egyptians, from the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. But Moses said, Who am I that I should go before Pharaoh to bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be a sign that that I have sent you. That when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And then they asked me, what is his name? What shall I say then? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And this is what you're to say to the Israelites. 
I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord your God, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, He has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name that you should call me from generation to generation. So when we look at this text, we see automatically that the crying of some leads to the calling of others. Shepherds in the function of a church are called to a people group, are called to a a, a task, people to protect, people to share God's vision with, to protect them, to lead them safe through it. And this is what's happening right here. The vision is not with Moses. Moses knew full well what was going on. This is not a surprise to him. But Moses' vision was not to go get the people and take them to the land. God was given that vision. And Moses was to be the man that would get them, to rally them, to draw them together, and to lead them safely to the land that God had promised. And so God's, God is hearing the calling. He is hearing the words of his people. And he is sending a shepherd for them. And I love what it says here. Justin and I were talking this week. And we were reminded in here that if you think about God and you think about the awesome power that God possesses, most of us would agree without any hesitation that God can do anything at any time to anyone. He could snap his fingers and the people would be out of Egypt and in the promised land and there is no journey. But the beautiful thing of God is God doesn't do things on his own. He always works through his people. And God is always continuously working through the local church. And here in this moment, God could have easily snapped his fingers and been done. But God said, I want to lead these people because I want to just show them how much I love them and how much I care for them. Not to do a magic trick, but to lead them, to build relationship with them. And I love what it says in the text, if you caught it. The place where Moses is now meeting the Lord and the burning bush in the future will be the same place that they go and they worship the Lord. And so it's one of just a beautiful foreshadowing of this place is not just going to be a place where you and I meet, but this is going to be a place where you lead these people and you know this land and you know how to get here and you know all these things. Moses, I'm going to work through you and you are going to protect and you are going to shepherd and you are going to lead my people and we are going to come worship together. And so something inside of you may be saying, man, I'm feeling called to a specific group, maybe some coworkers. Maybe I'm feeling called to one of our age group ministries, children, students. Maybe I'm called into a group of adults, and I just I want to get together and to, to help them go through a season of life. God may be preparing you to shepherd them the way that he is calling Moses to shepherd his people. So begin to think and begin to pray, God, what, what are the cries of the people, and who are you sending me to? Because as we say here, the crying of some leads to the calling of others. I love what it says here when, when you see Moses and God talking. God says, Moses, Moses, what is Moses' first reaction? Here I am. Here I am. And for some of us, that needs to be our first reaction. When God calls, instead of starting going, okay, where did that sound come from? Did, who said that? Just simply pause and say, here I am. Scripture tells us, very carefully in verse 7, it says, I, God says, I have seen, I have seen the misery. I have seen the pain. I have seen the crying. I've heard the pain. I've heard the weeping. I've heard the stories. And I'm ready to do something about it. And then Moses didn't say, well, yeah, that's a great idea, God. I think, you know, we got some pastors down the street. That, that's got a big church over there. And, you know, there's some great speakers over there. You probably want to go to Speakers R Us and get some of them and lead the people. 
God doesn't, doesn't do anything without a plan because if you notice in Scripture, it says, I have heard my people, I have heard the crying, and I am sending you. And the beautiful thing about God is when he speaks to you, and whether you're calling a shepherd or not, if God is clearly speaking to you, it's because God has chosen you. God is not asking for your opinion. He's asking for your obedience. And in this moment, God is saying, Moses, who better to to help my people out of Egypt than somebody that literally was born and raised in Egypt? Who better to lead my people to the wilderness, to this mountain, to worship and to build relationship than somebody that's been here for 40 years and knows this territory? Who better to go talk to your coworkers and to shepherd them through a difficult season of life? Who better to walk through a stage of life with a group of people than somebody that's already there and has already experienced it? Who better to lead somebody through the difficulties of understanding or the beauty of understanding who God is than somebody who struggled the same way? God has called you and he is giving you all that you need. Moses, I'm calling you. I'm sending you out. I'm going to do some incredible things. Functions of a shepherd. First and foremost, a shepherd has to realize it's never for you. It's for God's kingdom and for God's glory. I don't know about you, but I think we could probably fill the room with stories of pastors that we've seen on TV or maybe some experiences that we've had in our past where you say, man, that pastor was not in it for the glory of God. That pastor was in it for himself. And the Lord is gracious and the Lord can forgive those individuals and can deal with those individuals. Let's don't, let's don't pile on top of those people. But we as shepherds and we as people that see that God is calling us, remember when God calls you, it's not for your glory, it's for his. It's not for your kingdom to be built, it's for his kingdom to be built. And the reason he's chose you is because you're the perfect person to do that. The shepherd leads people. It may be two, it may be 20, it may be 2,000. It doesn't matter the quantity of people that God is asking you to lead. He's just simply asking you to be faithful, to lead people through a situation, a season, or just a, just a way of life. Shepherd them, protect them, guard them, lead them. Don't get caught up on the number. Just be willing to lead people to the place that God has called them to. Sometimes shepherds go in front, but the beautiful thing is sometimes shepherds come alongside. You know, one of the fun things to do is to Facebook stalk you. Some of you are like, man, how did you know that? Because you put it on Facebook. You know what the best thing about that is? If a shepherd listens carefully, they'll know where the danger is. If they watch carefully, they'll know what comes next. Sometimes that's easy to do in front. Sometimes it's great if you do it to the side. But you lead people that way because what you find is People really appreciate when you know stuff about them and you can walk with them, not to gossip, not to have control or to have one on top of them, but to be with them, to walk with them, to know that they're not alone, to know when the danger spots are and to be able to kind of put the staff down in front of them and say, don't come any further. Don't go any further than this. That's the beautiful thing about a shepherd. And that's what God is preparing Moses to do. And that's why the beautiful story about Moses' life is he didn't waste that time in Egypt. He didn't waste that time in the wilderness. He prepared Moses for what he was calling to do. And maybe you feel like you're going through a season right now and you're like, God is not with me. God is not walking with me. God has not been with me in a long time. I say that is false. Because what God is doing, if you will open your eyes and your heart to the things around you, God is preparing you for what comes next. God is preparing you for how you can lead people. 
God is preparing you for how you can see his presence, not only in the, in the moment, but in the past and in the future. Because one of the things that Justin was sharing with us in, in, in a meeting that I was in not too long ago, he asked us the question, what were you like when you were a kid? And so I started thinking about that. Like, what was I like as a kid? Probably a terror. You have to ask my parents. But I started thinking about, he said, no, no, think about the calling. And as we started kind of opening our mind to what was going on, I realized that God had led me to shepherd people since the time I was a kid and in my teenage years and into my college years and into my young adult years and even now. God never wastes a situation or opportunity to lead you. God is not going to waste anything that Moses is coming to to do that. And just to give you a little personal story, you know, some of you know my history and some of you don't. I was a baseball player growing up. I one time thought I was good. Aaron and I both shared, the, shared that passion. And, and I thought I was going to be a pitcher. I thought I was going to maybe make it to the minors, maybe even the majors, who knew. But I had a plan that as soon as baseball was done, I was not done with baseball. I was going to go be a coach and a history teacher. That was my plan. Maybe a math teacher, although I don't know if I could do some of the math today. But anyway, that's my plan, and I was set on it. That was going to happen. And God said, no, I need you to go, go lead my people. Go be a shepherd. And I will never forget the summer of 1997 sitting at Centrifuge Camp at Union University in Jackson, Tennessee. Who knew in 1997 where I would end up in 2019? But in Jackson, Tennessee at Union University in the summer of 1997, God called me into ministry where it was a very clear, I need you to go do this. And all of a sudden I had a choice to make. Do I just say, eh, that's great, God. That's a good idea. Glad you thought of it, but I'm going to go do this go coach baseball and teach history? Or do I go to the great unknown of whatever the next calling is? Moses had the same choice when he's sitting on the mountain. God, that's great. Um, but in case you didn't remember, I was in Egypt. I saw the beatings. I saw that. In fact, I took care of one of the Egyptians. I don't want to go back and do more. Moses didn't say that. Moses said, here I am. And then he takes off and goes on to the great adventure. Shepherds make it safe for people to walk out, the, walk out the vision. Look at verse 11 in chapter 3. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? And who, or what, uh, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Verse 12, so powerful. I, so God said, I certainly will be with you. And this will be a sign to you that I've sent you, that you bring out the people of Egypt and you will serve God on this mountain. Then Moses comes back in verse 13 and says, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and I say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me. And they say, What is his name? What should I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. That reminds me that God is not going to call us to something that he has not already thought through. Let that sink in for just a second. Some of us get really wigged out when we think God may be calling us to something. Do we not? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands because we'd all need to raise them. But when we feel like God is beginning to tug on us, God is not calling you to something that he has not already seen happen before. He's not calling you to something that he hadn't already thought out. He's not calling you to do something that he's going to make you a failure. If he's calling to it, he's only going to call you to be a success and for it to work. So for some of us in the morning or here in this morning, 
and you think, man, I don't even know who God is. If God is tugging on you, it's because he knows if you will answer the call and you will come into relationship with him, he's already prepared the way through Jesus Christ. He knows that your life will live for eternity when you accept him as Lord and Savior. And we get into a situation where I don't know if God is calling me. I, mean, I could never get behind a stage or I don't have instrumentation. I can't play an instrument or I can never do this or I can never do that. Stop. If God has called you to it, God's already thought through it. And remember, you are perfect for what God is calling you to do. Don't be scared. Shepherds function best when they remain teachable, humble, and ready to serve. And truthfully, if we could just be honest, everybody functions best when we remain teachable, humble, and ready to serve. Man, we could just do some incredible things if we would just stay in that, in that mode. God only calls you to what he knows will work. Look at the, the, the conversation. Moses, who am I to do this? God, what am I? Moses, it's not about who you are. It's about me and I am who I am. If God has called you to it, then God has already got a plan. Chapter 4, if you want to look over in chapter 4, this continues on where Moses uh, answers God and says this. He says, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. And suppose the people look at me and say, God has not appeared to you. The Lord said to him, what is in your hand? He said, a rod. He said, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground and became a serpent and Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and he caught it and became a rod again. Do this so that they may believe that the Lord of their God, their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Skip down to verse 10. Then Moses said to the Lord, said to the Lord O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before you, uh, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and I am slow of tongue. And then God reminds him in verse 11, Who has made man's mouth? And who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have I not the Lord? Now therefore go, I will be your mouth and teach you what to say what you shall say to everyone. So it's a great reminder that whatever God has called you, not only has he called you to it, but he's equipped you. Some of us, we we talk about our spiritual gifts. We have our calling first. I'm called to be a pastor. What has God equipped me with? There are a number of gifts that God could equip a shepherd with. They're not limited to what I'm about to share with you, but it could be mercy. It could be helps. It could be leadership. It could be teaching. It could be exhortation. It could be a number of gifts. But I promise you this, that whatever God has called you, he's not just, it's just not a calling. It also comes with a set of skills and a set of tools and a set of talents. And he promises, whatever I've called you to, I've prepared you for, go do it. So if we get in those moments like Moses, we say, well, God, I can't do this. Remember, God never called you to something he hasn't already thought through and prepared you for. Just remember that you're in a good season. I love, I just, I've said it once before, I'll say it again, maybe even a couple more times. Can we just agree that God's not asking for our opinion? He's just asking for our faithfulness and our obedience. And we get so caught up on the, the, the consequences, the good and the bad consequences. God, what if I do this? And what, what if, what, God's not asking for your opinion. Just say Yes. Because every person in the Bible, regardless if we're talking about a shepherd or not, every person in the Bible that said yes to the Lord always, 
always ends up in a successful situation. Always. You can read it however you want. You can try to spin it any way you want. But every person that just lets God take control of their life, lets control of their, take control of their ministry, lets take control of their situation, every story in the Bible ends up with God's eternal glory. So if God can do it in the Bible, the same God that's in the Bible is the same God that wants to do it inside of you. And God wants to do something miraculous and awesome because he is God and he's that good. God is calling and God is sending. Verse 10, back in chapter 3, so it says, Now go, I am sending you. I am sending you. This is God's vision and Moses' calling. So I want to ask you some, some, just some things to ponder. Nothing's going to be on the screen. You just, just sit there and think for just a second. Where do you see God's people suffering or in, in need of help? Where do you see God's people suffering or need help? Is God clearly pointing you in the direction of those people? Whether that is a person or a small group. Because once you identify that, then you can identify how God is beginning to call you. Is your job, is your your calling to come alongside those people, to walk with them, to make it safe, to, to love God, to know God, to walk through his vision? That stirring that you're beginning to feel, like I see that group of people, I see that group, that may be the God's calling and stirring on you that it is time for you to go take up the the reign of a shepherd and, and begin to lead his people. I do want to caution you, though, as you look at some of these. I was reminded by a, a pastor friend of mine many years ago. Don't go look where the grass is greener. Go look where the need is great. Don't go looking where the grass is greener. Go looking where the need is great. And you go shepherd that group of people because I promise you, if God calls you to those group of people, there's a powerful story waiting to happen and how awesome that you get to be a part of it. Not for your glory, for his, but you get to be a part of it. Man, that's incredible. How can we be a shepherd? How can we begin to rally around these people? Let me just give you some, some helpful things here. One, as God identifies a group of people or a person, begin daily to pray for those people. Daily. Do you know the greatest way that you can shepherd a group of people is through the power of prayer? Because you are asking God, the greatest shepherd of all time, to come alongside you and to give you the power and the strength to help them. And you pray for them. God, I I see this group of people and I need to know how do I shepherd them? What is it they need? And how do you need me to use my gifts? And how do you need to use the calling that you've given me? How do I do that? God, just pray for them daily to a point where it's kind of like the Bible talks about the persistent widow. You pray so much that God says, all right, we're going to get something done here today. Just continue, continue to pray. Make invitations to church as you see people that are outside the walls of the church. Because many of the shepherding fields are outside the walls of this church. Can we agree to that? They're your co-workers, your neighbors, your families, sometimes your greatest enemies. As soon as God gives you the avenue and the opportunity, you begin to invite them into to worship, to church, to fellowship. Begin to shepherd them. Make it safe for them to be here. One of the worst things you do is like, hey, I'm going to invite you to church. You sit on that side. I'm going to sit all the way over here. And you go to lunch over there on that side of town. I'm going to go all the way over here. Shepherds didn't put their sheep in bad spots and then go watch from, a fi- you know, go watch from the, the ledge. 
Shepherds are right in the field with them, ready to protect and ready to help and ready to make sure that they were doing all that they need to do. So not only you pray for them, but you begin to invite them to church and make sure that they're good. But then acts of service. If you remember Daniel M. for the longest time has taught us to bless people, to be in prayer, to listen, to eat together, to fellowship, to share stories, to serve one another. And as we serve, what are ways that you can, you can do that? Not every service to a, to a shepherd, to a flock is to, to knock the teeth out of the, the predator. Sometimes it's just to hug them and let them know that you're glad they're a part of the flock. Sometimes it's just that general reminder, that wave, hey, I just want to make sure you knew that you were here today. Thanks for being here today. Somebody saw you. You never know the power of a hello until you meet the person that is just desperately waiting for one. Be that shepherd for those people. And this is the one where I want to spend the remainder of our time. Justin told us this a long time ago, and I remember sitting right behind the camera well, and I was sitting there reading, and, I, and for whatever reason, Justin said it, and my ears perked up, and he said, you know what? The pastor fights the lie that no one's ever going to be with them. Be there for them. Shepherds can often be there for everybody, but in the moment of weakness, a shepherd will think, nobody's going to be there for me. And as I was sharing with the worship team this morning, I don't think it's just shepherds that, that fight this. I think it's everybody. Shepherds fight it more than everybody, but we all fight it at some point. We've got to fight the lie that no one will ever be there for you. Moses is sitting there and he says, look, I tried to be there for the Egyptian and that didn't work. I tried to be there for the Hebrews and they rejected me. People are trying to kill me and I don't have a place to go, so I ran. No one will be there. And God, you're going to send me to Pharaoh and I'm not, I've seen what Pharaoh does to people. He's going to kill me. No one will be there for me. And God, as a gentle reminder, says, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm with you. I am who I am. The great I am will walk next to you and walk beside you. And as we were sharing this morning, if it is only you and the Lord, that's all you need. And that sometimes is frustrating because you're like, well, I should have all these people. If all you have is you and the Lord, that's all you need. But how beautiful it is that God never lets it just be you and him. He often brings community around us to rally around us because he loves to fight for us the lie that we will be alone and no one will ever be there for us. He loves to fight that by bringing relationships to one another. God filled his church with various callings on purpose. Shepherd them. Shepherd them all. God has given different callings to the people that are in your workplace. Embrace that. Embrace their gifting and their calling as much as your calling because you need them. God made it safe for shepherds to, to shepherd the people even before we knew that they were a people that we, we needed to shepherd. He's gifted us. He's, he's trained us. He's prepared us. He's given seasons of our own so we can walk through seasons of everybody else. And let me offer this to you. I have this thing. It really will help you fight the lie. And so this is just free, I guess. I have what's called a thanks drawer. And in that drawer is every thank you note, encouragement card, a letter from an organization or an email that really just really just really impacted my life. And everything is folded up and put in that drawer. And some of you can see where this is going. Some of you can't yet, but here's where it's going. All you need to do is that day that you feel like you're isolated and you're alone, open that drawer, put your head to the side, reach in, grab a card, pull it out so it's random, and open that card and read it and be reminded that God never left you alone. And that your gifting makes a difference. Your calling makes a difference. 
Because if you can remember that you need community as much as the community needs you, then you won't have to fight that lie as often. And when you do fight that lie, the victory will be God's very quickly because you're reminded that he never left you alone. Shepherds can really, really take on a lot at the expense of everybody and everything. But we always need to fight the lie that when we need God the most, God will be there. And when community, when we need community, the community is there. We need to embrace that community. So this morning, I want to wrap it up for you. And I want to say this, and I want you to just see it on the screen. And I want you to just kind of meditate it on just for just a second. God knew what he was doing with Moses. And he knows precisely what he's doing in you. The callings that you get, whether we're talking about shepherd or pastor, evangelist or prophet or or teacher, God knows exactly what he's doing. God knows exactly what you need and what you're prepared for. So the temptation is, I can never do what Scott does. I can never do what pastor that I grew up can do. That's not the point. The point is, if God has called you to be a pastor, if God has called you to be a shepherd of people, then God has equipped you and God has trained you and God has prepared you. God knows precisely what he's doing. And I told you I was going to say it another time. Once again, God is not asking for your opinion when he calls you. He's asking for your faithfulness and obedience. And the reason I can tell you that a shepherd can make it safe for you is because God has personally made it safe for me to shepherd. God has personally made it safe for Moses to shepherd. God personally made it safe for David to shepherd. God is personally making it safe for you to do whatever he's calling you to do and to shepherd the people that he may be calling you to. Do you trust that? Do you trust that God precisely knows exactly what he's doing? Do you know that? Do you trust it? Do you believe it? Sometimes the problem with us is that we get in our own way and we get in our own head and we're like, oh, God, you messed up on that one, God. Your winning percentage is now 0.99999. Nope. God is perfect. And he knows precisely what he's doing. Let me ask you, how many hoops does God need to jump through for you to trust him? How many times does God have to remind you? Remember with Moses, it was quite a bit. With David, it was quite a bit. How many times does God need to remind you? Because I think Moses and David would tell you right now, I was foolish to question God. I was foolish to think that God wasn't going to be with me. So we are to learn from them. We are to grow from them and saying, whatever God has called us to, God will be with us. He didn't have to jump through hoops. Don't be arrogant. Don't be ignorant. Just allow God to be who he is. John 10, John recalls Jesus saying that he is the good shepherd. He said, my sheep know my voice. So listen carefully for that voice of Jesus to say what you're supposed to do next. Listen carefully for that group of people that God is putting a burden in your heart for. And then go be the greatest shepherd you can be with the power of God right beside you. Maybe some of you, you just needed to fight the lie this morning that nobody would be for you, be here for you. Let me just tell you, God is always here for you. Oh, how wonderful. Oh, how marvelous is the Savior's love for me. How great is our God? How great is our God? Maybe some of you, you're like, I don't need to know about shepherd, but I needed to know that God was not going to leave me and forsake me. I needed to know that God was going to prepare me and call me and be ready for me. Maybe this morning you just need to come up here and just say, God, 
I just need to be released into being a, your flock, into your sheep. And you just need to give your life to Jesus Christ this morning. Because you've been trying it your way. You've tried it your way for a long time. Let's try it God's way and see what happens. God knew exactly what he was doing to Moses, and he knows exactly what he's doing in you. Trust him this morning. Give him your glory. Give him the opportunity to just be the Lord of your life.